So as I mentioned in my opening comments, the word for today is glory. And we heard it right off the bat in today's first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord said to me, you are my servant, Israel, through whom I show my glory. And then he goes on here. Now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as his servant from the womb, that Jacob may be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him. And I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord. And my God is now my strength. And then the Lord says, it is too little for you to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So even way back then, God was trying to raise the level of expectation for his people. God always had a chosen people. That doesn't mean that he didn't want to save everybody. That didn't mean that he didn't want to redeem the whole human race because he did. But he had to work with somebody. He had to choose somebody to be his instrument, if you will, his servant, his chosen people. And so that was Israel. Last weekend, we celebrated the Epiphany. And I said at the Mass that I celebrated, assuming nobody here was born into a Jewish family, maybe somebody here was, but otherwise, we're all beneficiaries of the fact that God came to save all of us and that he revealed himself even to the Gentiles. So most of us are considered Gentiles in a sense. But now, because we are the church, the new Israel, we are his chosen people. We are now made sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So not only have we been adopted in the Holy Spirit through baptism, but we've been given a share in God's glory. And so that's the point I want to make today. And to help me make my point, don't worry, I'm not going to read the book up here. But somebody gave me a, a copy here of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's a new version, a new edition that Ascension Press put out. So if any of you followed Father Mike Schmitz's Bible and Ear podcast, some of you, yeah. Well, now he's doing the Catechism in a Year. And I feel like I should just shout out here, since we're in Clarkston, Michigan, to Father John Hardin. Did any of you ever meet Father John Hardin, Jesuit priest? Yeah, I see a hand or two. All right, well, he wrote a catechism. He's buried at Columbia. That's why I shout out to him. And his catechism that he wrote, I don't know, probably back in the 80s, was a textbook I used in my high school confirmation class. And then when I was in college, a roommate of mine, a young lady in my class, had that same Father Hardin catechism on her bookshelf. And I happened to notice it one day, which happened to be Ash Wednesday, 1993, and the Lord spoke to me through his catechism. 
And so this year I have made a little resolution to reference the catechism, whoops, the new catechism or this new version of it every Sunday that I preach from the pulpit. So speaking of glory, I wanted to read number 293, a little bit of that, and 294. This is under the profession of faith, what we believe. It's the first part of the catechism, which is now divided into four main parts. So this is the first part, what we believe. And this has to do with uh, the world was created for the glory of God. Scripture and tradition never cease to teach and celebrate this fundamental truth. The world was made for the glory of God. St. Bonaventure explains that God created all things not to increase his glory, but to show it forth and to communicate it. All right, let's jump to the next number, 294. The glory of God consists in the realization of this manifestation and and communication of his goodness, for which the world was created. God made us to be his sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. For the glory of God is man fully alive. That's St. Irenaeus talking, one of the fathers of the church. Let me repeat that. The glory of God is man and woman fully alive. Moreover, man's life is the vision of of God. If God's revelation through creation has already obtained life for all the beings that dwell on earth, how much more will the Word's manifestation of the Father obtain life for those who see God? The ultimate purpose of creation is that God, who is the creator of all things, may at last become all in all. Thus, simultaneously assuring his own glory and our beatitude. All right, I know that's a mouthful, but you can go back and look it up and reflect on that. Number 293 and 294. But that's a great line. The glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus himself said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly or to the full So God wants to share with us his goodness, his truth, his beauty, his love, his light. All of this constitutes, you could say, his glory. It's his very life. So he's not really holding anything back. Now, do we experience that to the full, this side of heaven? No, (laughs) not yet. We already have a little taste of it. We get a little bit of it. We've already received the first installment of our inheritance, Paul says, which is the promise, which is the Holy Spirit. But we don't yet possess it to the full. So that's the good news, because that means what? That there is more. You know, I like to say that there's more. That awaits us. So we don't have to be afraid to die. We should actually look forward to it in a certain sense. Because we know, we believe as sons and daughters of God, that there is so much more 
that awaits us in the Father's house. I know I've told this little story before, but it's worth repeating right now. When my dad was dying, he was in hospice, and I was right there next to him, and he looked at me after taking a sip of his Dr. Pepper, and he said, am I dead yet? I guess I was a pretty good Dr. Pepper. And I said, no, dad, you're not dead yet. I said, when you are dead, you will actually be more fully alive than you have ever been. Can I get an amen? Amen. What we see now, or you might say how we see now, is in black and white compared to what we will see in the Father's house. And let me just highlight what Jesus said about this at the Last Supper. John chapter 17, it was his high priestly prayer. One of the last things he, he prayed with his, his disciples, his apostles, all gathered together in the upper room. He prayed, I do not pray for these only, his apostles, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. So Jesus prayed for all of us at the Last Supper. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. See, Jesus affirms it right there. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He goes on, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to behold my glory, which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. That's pretty awesome. So this glory, you could say, in short, is the Holy Spirit. It's the very love of God, the third person of the Trinity, which is to say they're holding nothing back. They are literally incorporating us into their eternal embrace and exchange of love and glory. So that's what we're called to. <laughs> But we still have to work out our salvation here. We still have to struggle with sin, with our own brokenness. That's true. That's true. But that doesn't mean that we can't keep growing in glory. In fact, we're called to keep growing in glory each and every day. And that happens by, by praying, by opening up our minds and our hearts and our bodies to receive God in prayer and, and through his sacraments and, and his word. That's how we grow in glory. By being in his presence and allowing him to pour himself out into us. So it's not so much what you do or what I do, but it's what he does. It's what God does for us and with us and in us and yes, through us. Notice that Jesus gave a reason for why he wanted us to be one. 
so that the world would believe, brothers and sisters, so that the rest of Clarkston and Michigan and the United States and the whole world would believe that God is real and that he is alive and that he does love his people. So he's chosen us. You are all his chosen people. You may not feel chosen, but the fact is, you are. The fact is, you are his. He has chosen you. He says to you, I love you and you are mine. I want a friendship with you. I want to collaborate with you. I want to work with you and through you to to share my glory all throughout the world. And it's, it's that dynamic, as I like to call it, the dynamic of God's dynamic love. It's through that dynamic that the world will come to believe and that the world will have hope as they witness us and the way we live and the way we love. At least that's how God wants it to work. That's how his dynamic is supposed to work. And we never do it perfectly. God doesn't expect us to do it perfectly. But he does invite you to look for, to seek, to desire the more. And really, he put that desire in us. If we're in touch with our hearts, we we experience a longing, a desire for the more. Because we realize that this is, at times, a valley of, of tears and suffering and pain, and there's still death and sickness and disease, and that's hard. That's really hard. And so we, we absolutely have this sense that we're made for more, and that is true. That is not a desire that is in vain. That's not a hopeless thought. On the contrary, it's one full of hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul wrote in Colossians 1.27. So we all have Christ in us, and that is the hope of glory that we all share. Let's pray that we can share in it more and more today and each and every day so that we can become fully alive for the glory of God. Amen.